Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Thank you. Thanks so much. Very gracious of you. Please be seated. <laughs> oh, the goodness of God. Is He good? Oh, He's good. Life is hard, but God is good. My name's Brian Wren, and for about 24 hours or less, I'm your transition lead pastor. <laughs> and I will miss that. And I will miss that. It's so good to be with you today. It's an honor, as usual, to bring the Word of God. And people have asked me, how are you? And the best thing I could say, you'll see it on the screen, is my heart is full of gratitude. It's full of such deep, deep gratitude and overflowing with thankfulness because the way in which God has used a community to get my attention and completely reshape my life. And when it comes down to it, there's people that are involved, and that is all of you. And as someone standing up here mentioning names about thankfulness, that means there's some names I can't mention and I won't mention. So don't take that as I forgot you. Just take that as there's too many names to mention after a 32-year journey. 32 years ago, I was invited to church. That's the first lesson today. Invite people to church. It can change their lives. Amen. That was by my girlfriend who was dumping me. <laughs> the good news is I like basketball more than coming to church. So that's what I did. And I went to the community center. And there I found men that I could relate to. And the short of it is there was one man there who pursued me. Lesson number two, pursue people. They need Jesus. His name was Anthony Mejia. And he, clap for that. And he answered a question that helped me begin the journey of faith. And it was powerful and it changed my life forever. There was another man then who really discipled me. I became a volunteer in high school ministry. I wasn't qualified, but they needed warm bodies. And so they told me to come along. And then I sat on a teaching of Chuck Weiss on Chuck, you raise your hand here. And it was with Chuck that I was discipled. I was discipled under Chuck as a 20-something-year-old who was supposedly helping out students, but I would hear things and be like, that's amazing. I need that. Chuck, tell me more. And it was the Word of God. It was the Word of God. From there, I was hired on staff of a guy named Jeff Smith, who possibly is watching today. I'm grateful. I wouldn't hire me. I was underqualified. And the beautiful part was Jeff was willing to hire me as the college resident. Then I had to give from 97 on for endless years with my brother Gary Gadini. And what Gary brought me was this, you can clap for that. What Gary showed me was a heart for God and a desire to touch the world with Christ. And that was very inspiring and a deep friendship that we benefited from. Along the way, there was, there was a ton of women that shaped me, but one I will call out because we, for 10 years, over 10 years, partnered together, and I'm heading to a co-pastorate with a woman. I'm heading to, to be a co-lead pastor with a woman, and it's because of my partnership with Janet McLean for over a 10-year decade that I saw the beauty of men and women together in ministry. <laughs> and 
And then there's our current staff and our current leadership team. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for how we did this together. Thank you how we grew together. God showed up and helped us through probably one of the toughest seasons. So current staff and leadership, I'm endlessly grateful. We can clap for that. Congregants, the best part is I never became a marriage family therapist. Because if I became a marriage family therapist, there's rules around that. As a pastor, the the rules are loose. We can have a crazy dual relationship where I can hang out with you as a friend, counsel you as a pastor, and we figure out how muddy and messy that is along the way. And that has been the ultimate gift of doing life with you, learning from you, being healed as I participate in the healing of others. It was incredible how that came together. And so I thank you, congregants, for that. Then I have a few more people. I have three men in my life that have been guides. The one is Doug Stevens. Doug, could you stand right there? The other is Brian Person. Brian, could you stand? The other is Russ Cicada. Russ, are you in the house? Where are you, Russ? I hope you're here. Russ, stand up, buddy. Brian has been a counselor and a coach to me for over 20 years. We don't even really realize when it started. Russ has guided my soul as a spiritual director really over the last five plus years, knows me to the deep of my soul. And this guy, Doug Stevens, the only, if you thought anything good happened here during, transition, during our transition time or you're really still mad about something, it's his fault. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Doug acted as my mentor. Uh, so often I would call him, Doug, what are we going to do now? And then I have a note. This note goes back to 1994. It was sent to me. And I've kept this note in my sock drawer since 1994 because that's where you keep all the important notes, right? <laughs> and the reality is it says, Brian, thinking about you on the plane last evening as I was reading Surprised by Joy that you gave me recently. This is a great time in your life, and Missy's a great partner. So set your sights on something you really care about, and we'll be all behind you. It sounds like you're heading in the right direction with going to seminary and heading into ministry, and we're so proud of you. In retrospect, I wish I would have taken more risk in my job and personal life and maybe done some more of the the politically incorrect things. So for what it's worth, go for it. Looking forward to time together over Christmas. Love, Dad. My dad's here today, Bob Wren. Dad, I needed that note. It was a pivotal time, and you and Mom were completely behind me. So thank you for that. I said to my dad yesterday, Dad, you know you're going to be 87. You're almost 90. And he said, don't say that to me. (laughs) So good to have him here. My mom passed away back in 17. And then finally, my beloved wife. We can clap for that. She asked me a question when we were in college. Are you a Christian? And I didn't know the answer. 
And then she invited me to church. And then in the end, what I say is she had just enough faith to share it with me, and it changed everything. Beautiful. Thank you, honey. I love you. I'm so glad we get to do this together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And thank you that I just got to declare some of the goodness, just an ounce of the goodness that you have shown me through other people. Lord, as we look at who you are today, Oh, Lord, may it come alive in a fresh way. May it touch our souls in a way that maybe it couldn't have before. And in the end, God, may you get the glory. Lord, this really isn't about me. It's about what you have done and what you are doing in the life of a congregation. And so, Lord, may it become about that more and more as we move forward through your text today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Today we're actually continuing our series in the I Am Statements. These I am statements are powerful, and I hope if you've never really looked at them or were re-looking at them, they touch you in this fresh way. The reality is, when Jesus says he is the I am, he's saying I am the source of all things. I am the source of all things. And then he's gracious enough to give us these seven statements to bring it down to show his compassion. So it's just not this macro thing, hey, I'm in charge, everything comes from me. No, no, no. It's much more sweeter, much more gracious. No, no, no. I, I am the bread of life to you. I am the light of the world. Next week you're here, I am the good shepherd. Another time you're here, I am the vine. We'll get closer to Easter. This is where it gets good. I am the resurrection. And then I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today we deal with kind of one of the obscure ones. I'm the gate. Doesn't kind of come off as soft, does it? Seems a little hard, maybe firm, potentially locked up. But I want you to see what it means when it comes to Jesus saying, I am the gate. And the big idea I have for us today, because we've got kids in the room, we've got to make it so the kids can get it, and in our hearts and souls so we still have it on Tuesday. Here's my final big idea for you today. Life is great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. Life is great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. Will you repeat that with me? Life is great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. Life is great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. One more time. Life is great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. Do you believe that? These two concepts of grace and his goodness have changed me radically. And this is what he's offering to all of us today, to reconsider to recommit, to consider even maybe for the first time. Open your Bibles to John 10, 7 to 8. John chapter 10, verses 7 to 8. Somebody call out the Pew Bible number. John 10, verse 7 to 8. 1075. Here's what he says. Therefore, Jesus says again. Let's just start with again. If there's an again, that means there was something that happened before. There was this dialogue that was happening before. And Jesus is in this dialogue with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the rulers. They're the ones that are kind of putting rules and obligations. They're bringing the religious system to people and saying, this is how you should do it. And it's lacking something. And so Jesus is endlessly coming before those who of, of the ruling class of the Pharisees and saying, there's a different way. And he's been in this discussion with them. And we pick this up. In John 10, 7, 8, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. This is the first time he declares it. It's weird. I'm the gate. What does that mean? It's significant more in that time than in our time. We know what gates did. They, kept, they keep sheep in. There's a protection factor. You'll learn next week, the shepherd would often lay down when there was no gate, just stone walls, but there was still an opening. So the shepherd would what? Lay down their life at night for the sheep so that they would stay safe when there's no gate. But Jesus is saying, he's not saying he's the shepherd yet. That's next week. He's saying, I'm the gate. He's saying to them, I am the gate. There is a new way. These thieves and robbers have a different way. They want to come in and they want to persuade you and tell you that a relationship with me works like this. But no, 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 no. I want to tell you about my grace and my goodness. These Pharisees, these thieves and robbers in modern day technology, they're scammers. They're the ones that call you up and they're trying to convince you, hey, here's how it is. Hey, I can remortgage your, you know, I can refinance your house. Just give me your social security number and everything will be okay. All right? Hey, I can give you this pill and you'll be thin in a week. All right? All right? We know that's a lie. All right? They're thieves. They're robbers. They're scammers. And that's what Jesus is attacking here. Look what he goes on to say. This is John 10, verse 9. He repeats himself. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be what? Saved. This is where we bump into our first concept of the gate bringing grace. Life is great beyond the gate. Once you get beyond the gate, because why? Because of his goodness and grace. That word saved means to be what? Rescued. Now, let's get serious for a moment. We're in celebration mode, but I got to bring you down to reality. We all need saving, don't we? I showed up here 32 years ago knowing there was something wrong but not having labels to it. After a while, this is what I came to realize. It was my sinfulness, all right? It was my purposelessness, all right? It was my painfulness, meaning the pain I had caused other people. Can anybody relate to this? Your sinfulness, your times purposelessness, and then the painfulness. It could be pain that you're experiencing yourself and you can't get over it could be pain that you've caused people and you have shame as a result of that. I needed to get rid of that. And I began to understand this concept of grace. This five-letter word, there's nothing like it. So my first thought was, I was believing the lies of the thieves and robbers. If I work hard enough and do good enough, God will what? Save me. If I get all the wisdom, all right, if I get all the wisdom about God, I will be saved. And in the end, it wasn't that. But that was the lie I was believing. Anybody else ever believe that lie? You're potentially believing that lie right now. And then my reaction was, well, if I just get wealthy enough and do good with it, that'll be all right. Works, wealth, wisdom, they don't save. I have a different way that I want to rescue you. When I think about the concept of grace, I think about this picture because it's glorious what's on the other side of the grace. We get all these things we don't deserve. The best definition of grace to me is getting what you what? Don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. I can get forgiveness of my sins. I can get purpose for my life. I can actually get free of all this pain. It's so great beyond the gate, but isn't it wild how we won't choose to go there? 
We'd rather sit with our sinfulness, our purposelessness, and all that pain as opposed to just like, hey, come on in. You, just come on in. And on this side of the gate, there's so much grace. I remember I was working with a couple once, and they couldn't not get free of the resentment they had had each other for all the years. And I said to them, all right, let's stop, because I actually called them the yellers, all right? Uh, my br- brother, Brian Person, is a fantastic marriage family therapist counselor, and he would help me with how to deal with couples. And at one point, he said, you got to let them fight in front of you. He goes, you got to see reality. So for a season, I would just sit in my chair and let people go at it in my office, all right? It was almost like entertainment. It was also super sad to watch, but it was actually super insightful because you would get to the heart of things. At one point, I actually rearranged my office because this couple, I called them the yellers, would yell so much that the finance office, I think, was hearing them. So I switched my seats so they would yell towards the windows, all right? But in the end, I said to them, about the second session, this is not going to change unless you show one another grace. And they looked at me, what are you talking about? What is grace? They go, and the one woman said, I only know grace is the prayer we said before dinner. Imagine not knowing grace. If you don't know grace, you can't dispense grace. And that's what God is getting at here, and that's what Jesus is getting at here. You look at Ephesians 2.8, which is like the profound passage on grace. If this passage is never mad to you, I hope it does more than ever today. It says this, for grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. At times when I read this passage, I'll pick out my favorite word, and in different seasons, it's different words. You know, for by grace, oh, that would be a good one to pick out. Oh, that you have been saved, that's a great reminder. Oh, no, no, maybe the better one is through faith. But it's interesting, this week as I was thinking and pondering about what to say to you, it's, and this is not your own doing. It is not your own doing. That is grace. The passage goes on and says this, don't stay just behind the gate because I'm the shepherd. I want to lead you into the world to change the world. I want to to speak to you so you hear my voice and I hear your voice and I take you places you have never gone before. Look what it says. They will come in, this is John 10, 9, second part, but what? They will do what? Go out. They will come in, and go out. I think this is one of the greatest things I've appreciated about my brother Gary Gadini when he'd always say this is the most important time of the gathering. And it was about heading out. We need to endlessly come in and go out. And it's beautiful what happens because as we go in and go out, you know what we really experience in the midst of all the challenges of life is his goodness. I love the concept of a pasture. When you see a picture of a pasture, that pasture is what? It's rich. There's adventure to be had there. It goes on forever. We know there's also trouble out there, right? But here's the promises. And I want you to hold these today. His goodness consists of three things. First and most importantly, his presence. He is always with us wherever we are out in the pasture, whether it's down into the valley, whether it's on the mountaintop, he is present with us. There's always provision. There's always provision. 
And that provision comes in a lot of ways, and often it is what? Through his people. When I look back on my journey here, God is, his goodness has shown itself the most through the way he has brought people into my life. That's why I could go on and on as I look at you today and I could point, you came into my life for this. You came into my life for this. God provides through people. He does it through his word. He does it in our hearts through the spirit. But his goodness, and think about the song, his goodness is what? Running after us. In the psalm, it says this, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Finally, this is what he says in John 10.10. 10. This is the final, final word he's trying to convey to them. The scammers, the thieves come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Zoe is the word for life, this rich, rich, meaningful life, this abundant, full life that goes well beyond expectations, well beyond what you anticipated. It has rich joy, and it has deep, deep sadness. But in the end, his goodness and grace is there for us. If I had to take this out of a pasture context and put it in this world and put it on this campus... I put it in the walk across the bridge. For 30-some years, I've stood at the steps over the community center and begun the walk across the bridge. And I often, with my kids, would try to instill in them that God was with them regardless. And as we'd walk off the bridge, I would say, hey, look in the distance. God is there. You can see the cross. And as we journey across the bridge, and you look at the next picture, what you would see happen is, you would see that the trees begin to cover. The trees begin to cover. Renee, move us to the next picture. Are we jammed? All right, they're having some technical difficulty. But as you walked across the bridge, you can see the trees begin to actually cover, and you easily lose sight of God. You easily lose sight of God. And then there's a point where you get deep into the walk across the bridge and you can see nothing above you because the trees are so big. It's the valley. It's the dark places. But then when you come to the other side of the bridge, what you see off to the left again is his presence. It's always been there. His goodness, his grace to guide us. The irony in our setting, what I've found is when I get to the end of that bridge, when I look left, I see the cross. When I look right, what I see is the Emma Wren Memorial Park. And it's symbolic of how God's grace is there and his goodness is there regardless of the journey. The question is, will we fight off the scammers? Will we receive it? As you go today, I hope you remember this, that he is the source. And he is the one that we should come back to again and again and again. And what my hope for you is today, I want to give you an opportunity just to wrestle with this question. What is keeping you from experiencing this full life, this life beyond the gate, whether it's the gate within or the gate without where you go? What is it? Here's, three, here's four things. Is it your fear? Is it your misunderstanding of God? Is it your pride? What is it that's holding you back? Ponder that for a minute. Is it your fear that holds you back? 
Is it your misunderstanding with God? Maybe he's let you down. Is it your pride? Or is it just other things? You're just distracted. Would you pick one right now? Which one is it for you? Because here's what I know. Because of you, because of the power of God, I've experienced that life is so great beyond the gate because of his goodness and grace. And my desire as I go is for you to experience that more and that you would get honest about what is holding you back and just release that to him and allow him to pour his goodness and grace upon you. As we go today, I want to give you a chance whether it's the first time to fully receive that goodness and grace or totally recommit to it. Today would be a great day to start over. Today would be a great day to start. There's nothing warm my heart more than a movement of your soul. So ponder this. I've done this for months and years now. Recommitting, committing to God for the first time or once again is as simple as ABC, acknowledging, acknowledging that you need it, that you need his goodness, you need his grace, believing that Jesus made the way and then see committing to walk with the spirit. So as Marty plays and the band comes forward, you didn't let me give you your time before you clapped for me instead of God when I first came up here. Thank you for that. But I want to give you a moment right now to go before him, confess what's in the way, and then recommit or commit for the first time. Let us pray. This is your moment. Lord, thank you for what you've done and what you want to do. Thank you that you are the great God. Thank you that you made a way from the cross. Thank you for a spirit that you left us. Lord, speak to each of us individually now as we give space. Thank you for tuning into our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.